Blog Talk Radio. There we go. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people on trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. Well, we really have that sneak people on. I, I just I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash all about YMPR. Again, www.facebook.com forward slash all about YMPR. And now, all about wine is on. Here is Ron. It was a serious echo during that opening there. It's like, you know, it was like in stereo or something. It's strange. It's like, I don't know what word for word. Yeah. You've listened to it enough. You've memorized it. So, no, I'm glad I'm using Direct Connect because I never did learn the host call-in number or the PIN number. So, so yeah. So, yeah, there's some serious fires out in California now that uh, I just noticed. Uh, we're gonna, uh, I'll follow up on that next week. Well, next week we have a guest, too. Well, I'll ask uh, Dr. Warren when he comes on you know, or even Paul and ask them if they have any any information, any news on it and see what they have to say. We do have a guest tonight for those of you who are listening. We have uh, Dr. Warren Frankel and his son, Paul, supposed to join us and uh, from Sculptura Winery and Sculpture Garden in Paso Ropos, California. And they... Sculptura uh, or Sculptura? Terra? T-E-R-R-A? What Sculptura. I, uh, Sculptura? Sculptura. <laughs> I've been saying Tara. Maybe it is Tara. It's like, you know, Tara. Terra Firma. Tara. Yeah. Tara Firma, yeah. Tara is in Tara Firma. Tara. Yeah. Probably Sculptura. I'm going to put my mask on real quick. I've been coughing. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. A little COVID there, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, okay. I know. Put it on. Put, put it on over the, the microphone. You know. Oh, looks like that might be him coming in in the background. We just got a phone call coming in, just right on time. I told him to call in two or three minutes after the iron. Here he is. Let's get him on. Hello, Hello. Doctor Warren and Franco. Is this you? That's me, and Paul's on the line too, my son. Oh, fantastic. Oh. Hello, Paul. Hi. I was just—I I was just telling uh, Mike here that you know Paul's supposed to be joining us, and so that's good. That's good. Well, welcome to All About Wine. Right. Great to have you guys on the show tonight. Well, it's nice to be invited. Yeah, yeah thank well, I'm, you. I'm, yeah, I'm glad you took the time to join us. Uh, the first thing I want to ask you about is the wildfires out there. I just saw on the nightly news that California is having some more serious wildfires. Are they affecting you anywhere or 
you, you know about it or where are they? What's going on? Yeah, absolutely. The, the fires are um, in Northern California, also a little more north than Central California, where we are on the Central Coast. And the sky is so bad that we've been deemed the third most polluted sky, I guess, in the United States, the third most. And we're not used to that. Uh, it's very clear wow. here. Um, you know, we have, we have beautiful weather because we we have a very interesting weather pattern. We have a circular weather pattern that goes from uh, the ocean uh, to to the valley where we are, and then goes over the desert, and then goes back over the ocean. So uh, that's really why we grow such great grapes because we have a very cool morning with fog and and the heat which develops the heat units and helps us uh, make the sugars during the day. So that's the pattern that we have. But because of that, now all this, uh, you know, the soot has come down from uh, Salinas and uh, Northern California. But we, we have it pretty bad here. Wow. Is Salinas is getting fires then. Yes, Salinas has fires in, in Santa Cruz and San Jose, and there's also wow. fires in Northern California. I heard there were 40 different fires. I heard somebody else said there were 300. I, I think it's 40 different fires in California. That's amazing. I didn't I, I didn't realize until the evening news I was watching, they said, oh, there's a lot of fires in California right now. I have a website that I pull up with the fires on it, and unbelievable the number. I, it doesn't give a solid number of how many fires are going on there, but it's just amazing the number of fires that are that hit there all of a sudden. Yeah, I, and, some of the fire, and some of the fires have merged, which is really dangerous for the fire oh, department. Oh, my gosh. Oh wow! Yeah. You know that's 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 horrible. I just I just wonder. I just saw that, and I was wondering if it was affecting you. So the soot is getting to you guys, and the smoke and everything. Huh? That's yeah, it's basically the smoke. Well, we're getting hit from all sides. First, you know, we have all kinds of rules in California. We can't um, pour wine inside, and so we pour wine outside. Then we've had uh, a heat wave, so you can't pour wine outside. Now we have the soot in the air, so the people don't want to go outside. They don't want to go oh, inside. Yeah. <laughs> so we're having a problem. I can imagine. Oh gosh, that's that's horrible. Uh, the uh, yeah. uh, you have har- Well, you should be close to harvesting or or harvest or. I mean, is, no, we're a little. We're actually a little later. Yeah, we'll be about so a just, we'll be a, about a month away. Starting with uh, we have a uh, a Viognier, which is a white wine, really great white wine. Um, actually, I'm that drinking actually that a lot tonight. Of don't know about. Yeah, I'm drinking your vignette you? tonight. Yes, that's what I'm enjoying during the show tonight, your, your 2018 vignette. Oh, very good. You'll love it. I yeah, do love it. We grow more vignette in the Central Coast than any place else in the world, and we've had contests up here, and we've won the best vignette in the Central Coast uh, several years ago, so we've done very well. Wow. that's It is delicious. I just... Uh, I, Decided to open that for the interview tonight, and I'm glad I did. It is very, very good. Uh, I do love it. Yeah, it's a uh, fruity kind of wine. It is. It and is. a lot it of people not, don't know not, about it. But Oh, I love a vignette. Uh, it's not real acidic either. I mean, I, I just uh, – Paul, congrats to you for not making this wine burn your throat with the acid. This is very, very good. <clears throat> Yeah, thank you. One of the keys to making Viognier is I pick it in two stages. So I don't I don't bring all the fruit in at one time. We bring in half the crop early where it is acidic and not so sweet. Then we bring in another 
part of the crop in at the when the fruit's super ripe, super sweet. And oh. so you get one lot that has more acid, more uh, you know, just got that nice tart, crisp flavors, and then the ripe lots where you get honeysuckle and peach and orange blossoms. Some of those um, flavors come together, and that ripe lot lacks acid. So if you have that ripe lot on its own, it, it might taste a little thin. But when you blend it with the first early pick that maybe has too much acid, they work really well. And then on top of that, that first lot we make in stainless gives it even more of a crisp finish. And then the second lot, which is the riper, we use uh, um, new oak barrels some of the years. So new. That's, uh, so, so that helps it a lot too. So the, the, the blend of both lots is really our secret trick with that wine. And it's very good too. I, I was wondering if I detected oak in it, and I do. So it that surprised me when I was picking up that oak. It, it, it's nice, but the the Vonier, so many of them you taste that the acid starts controlling it, and it does on this. This is very well balanced. This is an excellent wine. And like my so, dad mentioned about the awards, yeah, this year the the, the wine you're trying, the 2018 Vonier, got a double gold 94 points at the toast of the coast wine competition. That's down in Southern California, but previous years, I mean, we've, we've been making VNA since 2011 and every year we've gotten gold, the four star gold, 94 points. We've just the LA international, the California Mid-State fair, San Francisco Chronicle up and down all over California where we've entered this wine has done remarkably well. And I think, like you said, it's just it's very different. It's also known to be a red wine drinker's white wine, where it could stand up and it's got mouthfeel and a good body to it. It's it's uh, so it does. We, we get people into the tasting room that don't drink white, but they taste our Viognier, and now all of a sudden they love white. So it's a great yeah, wine. and, and the really Viognier is a good example. It, goes it good really with is. Yeah, yeah, and um, I think it's I'm what we've discovered here in Paso that grows great, you know, out of all, we can grow Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio, we can, we can grow all these whites, but we do Viognier best. It's just, it's a Rome varietal, we get the hot summer, we get the, get the cool nights. It just grows great on our property. Yeah, it is very, very good. And, you know, you can't get it too cold because you get it too cold and it's going to start closing down. So, you know, it's just, I, I've got this, actually, I, I'm got this such a nice temperature right now. It's really, it's really excellent. Congratulations on all the awards on this. I can see why it would deserve it. It is very, very good. Uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the smoke and the grapes still hanging. Are you going to have a problem with taint? Yeah, you know, I don't anticipate having a problem with smoke taint. We've never had that happen to us. We've had years like this where you'll have a couple of weeks of smoke and local fires. This year seems a little more intense than other years, but there are things, there's certain things you can do in the winery to try to combat the effects of smoke taint, but I've never gotten it. I've been making wine since 2008, uh, and I've never experienced that. So I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. It looks like we're going to get also, enough wind also, now know, these, to push the smoke away. Yeah, these fires are, are really not near us. 
It's just that the smoke has come down uh, from other areas. So it's really not highly concentrated. It's just that that it's not good for people with, you know, COPD or asthma, things like that. And people are already hiding because of COVID-19 and are afraid to go out because of that. And this just makes it worse. But I don't think we're having a a very significant um, type of thing where we get smoke taint. Oh, good. You know, it's always sometimes I've mentioned smoke tank quite a few times and uh, on the show and, and the fires, not just here in the United States, California, but Australia and stuff like that. They have really done a lot of research on it. And I just wonder if you might be affected by it, but it's good to hear that you're not. It's uh, right. We don't think so. Always, good. It's always something that you, you have to be concerned about, I guess. So, so you're uh you're, well, first, uh, Warren, let's talk about your your art. I I want to talk about that. And it, Sculptura or Sculptura? Is, how do you all pronounce it? Sculptura. It's it, we, we, terra. we combine okay. two words: sculpture and terra, which is the which is the land. So sculpture. Right. Okay. So Mike, you were yeah, right. This, I was this story really <laughs> the story really goes back fifty years. Um, wow. When I was in college. And I was a pre-medical student. Everybody took biology. And I thought, well, I'm going to major in chemistry so that I have something a little different in applying to medical school, which really was good. It's interesting because the chemistry has really helped me in terms of now making wine and knowing about wine because uh, the, the chemistry of fermentation, which is turning sugar into alcohol, we do the exact opposite in our bodies. It's called the Krebs cycle, and we turn uh, alcohol into sugar. So we do, we just re- <laughs> we we just reverse the process and the chemistry and the and and actually the chemicals and the enzymes and the enzymatic reactions are exactly the same. It's it's quite interesting for me anyway. So I became a chemistry major, and um, uh, then I had to take a certain amount of courses. Uh, I was born, I was in New York City. That's where I grew up, and I, and I got a state scholarship. And to maintain that scholarship, you had to take a certain amount of classes, certain amount of credits. And so I needed to get one more class for that semester. And I and I took what we used to call a throwaway class, and I took <laughs> art appreciation. But I didn't know there anything about art, and so I took that just to fill out you know my schedule to get get my scholarship. And so I took this art appreciation class, and I fell in love with sculptures. I absolutely loved uh, sculptures. You know, what most people know about Michelangelo and, and, very, and, and pretty famous people, but I learned about Gian Bologna and all kinds of other people, and I really liked the, the compound curves uh, of some of these sculptures. They're three-dimensional. You look around them, and they're actually beautiful. Well, the next year, I had a couple of friends that said Let's all go. they were going to all go to Europe for the summer. You know, in those days, we all went to find ourselves in Europe. I don't know where we oh, yeah. lost and what we found, but anyway, that was the deal. <laughs> it was right? always, always so, a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Man, that wasn't really the reason we went. We went because we wanted to meet girls, and you know the rest of the right. story. Anyway, yeah, yeah. so yeah. I right. So uh, I had been working at nights in the uh, post office, actually, to save money to buy a Volkswagen. At the time, this will tell you how old I am, a brand-new Volkswagen was $900. So I had saved yeah. up my $900 to buy a Volkswagen, and these guys said, let's go to Europe. And I said, well, I actually do have $900. And then it dawned on me. I said, you know, I can always buy an automobile, but I'll never have a chance to be, you know, 19 years old and go to Europe. Go to so Europe, I took the right. money, and I went to Europe. And one of the places I went to was Florence, Italy. Well, there in Florence, Italy, 
uh, I saw all these sculptures and I saw all these famous artists and um, it's just an unbelievable place, probably my favorite place in the world. I do a lot of medical missionary work. I've been all over the world and I've been every place, but Florence, Italy, just, just fantastic for art. And, and uh, also when studying art, I realized that an artist has a problem and the problem is, do I make what I want or do I make what sells? You know, and, and you have to make a living as an artist. You know, most artists, you know, most artists are very poor until they die, and then everybody buys their their sculptures or their paintings or whatever for for tons and tons of money, but they don't see it. And so right. I realized that the in the Renaissance time, it was great to have uh, people that actually. Uh, helped you like like Michelangelo had the Pope and he paid for all his sculptures and whatever and they were benefactors and I said what a wonderful thing it is you get the best out of an artist when you allow him to make what he wants okay so now we fast forward 40 years later and uh, I live in the San Fernando Valley and my wife uh, who's from, I'm from New York City she's in California we actually met in an alcoholic drug and rehabilitation center everybody thinks she's drug addicts and, and alcoholics because just that she was a nurse and I was a and doctor were, okay? and we were there. <laughs> right and I was doing physicals for the psychiatrist anyway I, I was an internist and so we met there and uh, she was in loves of horses and and we needed to have more land to have horses, and we drove up to Paso Robles, which is halfway between L.A. and San Francisco, really for years just a stagecoach stop. Uh, but now it's a, it's a destination because of the wine right. industry. Right. Anyway, so we bought this land, and then we decided, well, we might as well grow something. So I called the farm advisor, and he said, no, your land is too cold to grow grapes, uh, so why don't you grow pistachios trees? Mm-hmm. So I... Uh, got some, so I read about pistachio trees. You know, doctors like to grow things because if you don't overwater and you don't over-fertilize, it's just like patients. Don't over-treat them. Uh, let their bodies heal itself. Do the minimal you have to. Your patients do very well. Anyway, so we grew pistachio trees. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to plant grapes. And so I read about grapes. I knew not, I'm from New York City. I know nothing about grapes. I mean, this is actually should give confidence to people that want to start growing grapes and don't know what they're doing. I knew nothing, nothing literally about grapes. I know about concrete. I don't know about grapes. And so we started growing grapes. And because it actually was cold in the winter, the grapes did very, very well. You know, if you stress grapes a little bit, they actually do better. And, yeah. and this area was just perfect for grapes. Uh, especially for for reds. And so we started growing grapes, and I sold, for 30 years, I sold my grapes to Napa. In Napa, they like to blend a lot of our grapes because we have a little fruitier taste. Uh, they have uh-huh. their their grapes have more tannic acid in them, and and it makes a better combination. So I sold. So I knew our grapes were good because they were in demand. Then my son Paul, who you talked to, grew up on the land, and and he he just loved Mexican American people because he uh, hardworking, uh, singing in the fields, just loved to work with them. In fact, he married a Mexican American woman, and mm-hmm. and uh, just, just loved he loved the lifestyle, just loved loved the people and and being outside. And so then he wanted to go to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo to college in viticulture and enology, and he did that. And then I said, you know, wait, we got the grapes. I've got the winemaker. I ought to open up a tasting room. Uh, however, I said, who's, we're a little bit remote outside of Paso Robles. We're about four miles outside of downtown Paso Robles, which is a small town to begin with. 
Right. As I said, halfway between L.A. and San Francisco. And I said, how am I going to get people here? How am I going to get people to come here? Because once they came here, once they tasted our wine, and once they saw the beautiful, amazing sight we had, I knew that we'd be successful. But how am I going to get them here? And then I remembered the art. And then I remembered that, that – and, and my, people would ask me what my business plan is. And I'm, I'm a doctor. I don't know about business. But I realized what the plan is is art lovers love wine and wine lovers love art. Uh-huh. And that was our business plan. Very simple. And there, there really isn't a winery or tasting room that really concentrates on art. And so I remembered my love of art, and I remembered how if you find somebody, an artist, and you let him do what he wants to do, you're going to get the best you know, product that you can, you know, best artwork. Just at that time, I was teaching a Bible study, and there was a man in my class named John Jagger, and he uh, would go away every couple of months because he had to sell his miniature sculptures called maquettes. And I said mm. to him, you know, John, wh- what do you do? He said, he, he said well, he was a, he's an artist. He, was a sculpt- he, he did sculptures. And this is, was an unbelievable man. He spent 45 years as a sculptor. Uh, he has some of his monumental sculptures in all kinds of cities, really hundreds yeah. of cities. He had, a bachelor, he had a bachelor's degree in internal design, a master's degree in creative design. He also was a senior industrial designer for IBM for a while. And he actually wow. had retired, and he had built a house, but his house had burned down, and he had to go back making sculptures. And, and then I come into the picture. And I saw some of his work, and I said, look, I'll make a deal with you. I will give you a stipend, and I will, gi- I will pay for materials, and you build me these beautiful giant sculptures. And he, so he spent two years building sculptures. And the sculptures in our place, Sculptera Winery, they're 25 foot high, 26, fo- 26 feet high, bronze and granite sculptures. We have granite sculptures that weigh, one of them weighs 10 tons, one of them weighs 17 oh. tons. And he made these huge, huge, beautiful, unbelievable sculptures. And we opened up this sculpture garden. I mean, we really have, uh, uh, you know, a, a sculpture garden. It's not little sculptures. These are huge sculptures. And he also makes miniature sculptures, which we sell in the tasting room. And this has worked very well for us because people who don't even drink wine, they say, gee, I don't drink wine, but they come to our sculpture garden because it's it's like a museum. In fact... When California made a rule that you couldn't, uh, the tasting rooms couldn't pour wine, we were able to do it outside because we're considered an art, an outdoor art museum. Ah! Uh, and so we, yeah, so we did, that was very fortuitous for us. So people come and, and uh, they, look at the, they look at the sculptures, they walk around the sculptures. We also have created an art wall, which is, uh, it, actually, it's the history of California wine in, mur- in, in murals and, and ironwork. In that same Bible class that I was teaching, there was another man, and he was an artistic welder, an artistic ironworker. And then he wound up working for me as well, and he made unbelievable, beautiful handcrafted gates and overhangs, chandeliers. So here I had these two really unbelievable artists that just had come to me. At the same time when Paul graduated, he went to work for another uh, winemaker to learn. You know, it's one thing to have, you know, book knowledge and, you, and you're learning oh, yeah. how to do it, but obviously you have to do it. 
And you so he worked do. for him for a year, and it was obvious to me that he was a better winemaker than the guy he was learning from. And so Paul started making the wine for us. And um, my daughter, who's also a doctor, she uh, is also a chef. And so she helps us do food pairing. So she's involved in that. So people, you know, advertise a family business. We really are a family business. We're really involved in, on all levels. And then my son-in-law, uh, Truman, uh, he he is the marketer and he helps us market. He's the one I think that contacted you and got us hooked up with all these uh, with this phone uh, call. So it's really been a tremendous uh, family yeah. business. People just come and love the art. We also made last year we did another another art um, uh, exhibit where we have photographs, old photographs, and we uh, of the history of Paso Robles, uh, and it has to do with. Um, uh, you know, outlaws and, and pioneers and, and uh, old industry in the 1800s before the train came here. You know, Jesse Jackson's uncle laid out this, and not just, I'm sorry, Je, um, uh, Jesse James. Jesse, Jesse James' James. uncle laid out the town, Jesse James. And Jesse James uh, hid in this town um, a lot because um, there was, there's a tradition where he got shot and he came to the town because we have uh, hot springs, and in the hot springs um, he healed. So, so there's a lot of uh, tradition in the town of cowboys and pioneers. A lot of pioneer families started this town uh, six, seven generations ago, and so there's a lot of history. So I got together. I found these old photographs, blew them up in uh, eight feet by four foot photographs, and made a wall of like an album of the history of Paso Robles. And yeah. so we have sculptures, we have murals, we have ironwork, we have photographs, we have paintings, we do uh, concerts, we have music. We try to do everything artistic and serve wine at the same time. Fantastic. What a great story. That's fantastic. You, I, I have a question, though. You are a MD doctor? Yes, I'm a no. I'm a, a internal. I do internal medicine, family practice. Oh. In addition, I have a group that I started called His Healing Hands, and we go all around the world doing medical missionary work. We go to. Oh, uh, wow. We've been in China many times. We go to India, uh, go to Africa, Tanzania, uh, Kenya, Ethiopia. We've been. I've been to Vietnam. Uh, I've been Philippines. Um, Peru and South America. So we go all around the world. So I have a group of local doctors. And, and when, when the Internet really got you know, started, uh, people started joining us on the Internet. So I, I formed a group called His Healing Hands. In fact, I've written a book called His Healing Hands, um, which is about our, our medical missionary trips. So, and, and uh, you know, we sell the book in the tasting room as well. So I'm involved in quite a lot of things. Yeah, it's, it sounds like it. It sounds like you're too busy and you leave everything to Paul to take care of everything there by himself and he works his fingers to the bone to make these great wines and while you're out gallivanting around the world so absolutely that's absolutely true <laughs> uh, <laughs> well he is a very I, I like to work hard I'm, I'm a very hard worker I enjoy work I enjoy uh, doing things he's harder worker than I am He's the one person I haven't met that works harder than me. He not only makes the wine, but he also is in charge of growing the grapes as well, which enables him to know which block makes which kind of, uh, you know, 
how he does it, and he he can tell you about that. I uh, just going to ask him what uh, since you are the vineyardist, Paul. What how many acres do you have of each of your uh, grapes? What what is planted there? Yeah, in total, we have 265 acres of land on the property. Wow. Of that, my dad, mentioned, my dad mentioned the pistachios. We've got a, about 30 acres of pistachios. And then planted in vineyard is about uh, uh, 135 acres in vineyard. Wow. And the rest of the property is a creek bed, oak trees, rolling hills. It's just we have an incredible property. What's what's nice too is that we have different sites. We have hilltop vineyards, vineyards in the valley, vineyards with a um, a slope to the east or the west, different row orientations. So that makes my job fun because we have the same grape planted in different blocks, but different influences from the from the sun and the climate and the soil creates different wines, as you know. But yeah, so we uh, we grow twelve different grapes. We grow a lot of Cabernet. That's that's the most um, the most acreage that we have. Cabernet Sauvignon. Then we've got we've talked a little bit about uh, our Viognier. We've got other um, other rum varieties like Syrah, Grenache, Petite Syrah, Morvedra. The Bordeaux. I mentioned Cabernet Sauvignon, we also have Cabernet Franc, Petit Verdot, Merlot. Then we've got Zinfandel and Primitivo. Have you ever had Primitivo before? Yeah, I have had Primitivo before. I I know it's you know, the relative are the same grape or whoever you talk to. I mean, they're the two schools of <laughs> thought, but, you know, but yeah. of the Zimindel. So I have picked up and had the Primitivo before. And uh, yeah, I, ours is just incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I, I love it's, making Primitivo, and it's a lot of fun to make, too. So, yeah, we grow Primitivo. We grow uh, even a block uh, makes a Pinot Noir, which is interesting too, because my dad's been talking about his story and how he started it, and he's he's an experimenter, and I'm an experimenter too. And people told him, don't plant, you can't have Pinot Noir because you're you're too inland, it's too hot, it needs to grow on the coast of California or right off the ocean. But he took a risk and took out about over 30 acres of cab and planted Pinot Noir. And wow. it was hard to make a graft. We we did a uh, did a, a grafting job on the existing Cabernet rootstock, and mm. our Pinot Noir is just great. It took a couple years for the grafts to take and tying the vines and getting them trained right. But we have one of the only Pinot Noirs east of the 101 Highway uh, here in Paso, and it surprises everybody. We we sell a lot in the tasting room. It's very uh, easy drinking wine, light body, great fruit quality. It still has that earthiness, that kind of French funk that that can be there, but it's not overwhelming. It's definitely not an old world, uh, old world Pinot, but it's not uh, a new world Pinot where it's just a fruit bomb. You know, it has complexity right. and it's lower lower alcohol we don't pick it super ripe so it retains a lot of that uh a lot of what i'm looking for and growing all these different grapes that's just that that makes my job a lot of fun like my dad said i like to work hard um <laughs> harvest time you know we harvest time we put in um 
you know, 12 hour days or easy days. Sometimes it's a 16 hour day, an 18 hour day. You make wine, don't you, Ron? I was reading a, a, a I, little I bit did, about yeah. you and I saw that you, you made wine before. I did. Yeah. yeah I, I like post down the wineries, you, but I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once you crush the grapes and you've added the yeast and it just takes over and you, you, you've got to take it all the way through to getting it in the barrel and getting it in the bottle. Right. And it's uh it's a consuming occupation, as you know, because um, we, we're trying to get everything right. And we we have such a good sight. You know, I've always – I've heard it said a lot, and it's true. You can't make great wine from um, bad grapes. And the opposite, if you have great grapes, it's easy to make um, easy to make wine. And we do, we do a lot of work in the vineyard. We do cluster dropping sometimes. We pull leaves. We pin up the shoots. Um, we we do a lot of canopy management. We we just we're we're always on top of the ball, getting everything done at the right time. We have to you know prune at the right time and cluster thin and leaf pull shoots and all these things that I've been mentioning. But this, these are those all make the winemaking job easier. And the fact that I can oversee the grape growing and know exactly what's going on in the vineyard. Then you then you know when to pick. Then you know, okay, this block is usually ripe at this time, and the grapes you know have these tastes to them, and they're tannic or dry or fruity, whatever it is. I've talked to other winemakers who don't even ever put themselves in a vineyard. They they're just in a cellar and they don't see the vineyard and they don't they don't get to determine when to pick. They don't they're not involved in that. And when you're involved in the whole process as we are. You can you can make the wines that you're hoping to make. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if you're a winemaker, you have to be out in the vineyard and look at the grapes throughout the year and see what's going on and all that. Because without that, you've lost your connection to the to the whole process till you get the wine. I, it's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned. If you're not out in the vineyard, then you're losing something in the final product because you don't know the first step. So I don't know. That's right. just, you know, again, again, that's me. Uh, oh, I forgot what I was going to ask you there. Um, oh, oh, well, um, you know what, you know, what's really, what's really nice is that when you have a piece of land and you're able to grow something on it, a, a vegetable, a fruit or whatever, and then you can actually bring the best flavor of that fruit out and produce a, a product that you put in a container and we call it, you know, it's a bottle and then people come and absolutely enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you make some money out of it. There's nothing better. Nothing (laughs) better. Nothing better. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And that's what you mentioned, uh, Warren, about the uh, sculptors that you make what's going to sell and not what you particularly want to make. Well, that's the same thing with wine. That's my first thought there too. I mean, you know, I had people used to come into the winery when I had it, and they say, "Well, I would, I would make these bold, heavy reds with these tannins and everything." And I said, "And you would not sell them. You would be chasing people mm-hmm. out the door saying, I'll add sweetener to it. I'll add sweetener to it.' But I'm, you know, because people aren't going to buy, especially here in Florida, they're not going to buy those big bold wines. And so you make wines that you enjoy, that you like." But that also the public likes, and it's the same thing with art, and the same thing with right. all that. You, you have that line. Yeah, there's there always you, a balance. There's always a yes, balance. Yes, and and that's the that's yeah. a big key to it. Um, 
when is uh, I'll go back to Paul here for a couple of questions too. When is bud break there, and when are you going to be harvesting everything? Yeah, that's a good question. Usually, we see our first bit of bud break um, could be as early as March, but it's usually April, um, the beginning of April. Which we one of our biggest challenges is early season frost. I mean, we've had frost no. in May. We've had frost even into June. So we, wow. we try to to prune late to to delay bud break as much as we can because it it stays cold into spring. Uh, we've had back in 2011, we had a frost uh, in the middle of April, and we lost over half the crop just in oh. one morning of 28 degrees for a two or three hour period. We uh-huh. haven't had frost. Um, we haven't had a bad frost like that since 2011. We've been we've been blessed to escape it. But yeah, usually it's the um, end of March. We see we see those little buds starting to form up and swell, and then harvest. Uh, it, you know, it all depends on the year. Typically, we'll harvest the beginning of of uh, in September, which is you know just a couple weeks away. Couple weeks, but yeah. The last couple of years we. We've been harvesting uh, in the middle or end of September, and then the bulk of the grapes, I mean, you know, 80% of what we grow comes in in October. And then there's some of the stragglers, some of the petite Syrah maybe, or um, Primitivo Port, which we, we let the Primitivo hang till it's 29, 30, 31 bricks. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and usually, yeah, usually that comes in in uh in November, sometimes uh, after uh, uh, after the end of October, so it can be a stretched out harvest. We picked as early as end of August, and we picked as late as into Thanksgiving. We had wow, 2011 that year we had the frost. In 2011, the grapes that we got didn't come ripe till after after Thanksgiving. So it was a really long one growing season. Uh, I wanted to mention real quick to anybody out there listening, if they're interested in looking at the art, my dad's been talking about our monumental artworks at the tasting room. They can go to um, a website that we just did. It's um, it's our name. It's a S C U L T T E R R A art.com. So it's, so you have a separate one. You have a separate one for art. Yes. Oh, okay. Because your 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 website your website has some stuff on it, but I didn't know you had a separate site for art there. Oh, that's cool. That's right. Yeah, we're starting a new art site, um, which is like as as it says, it's just going to be all featured about the art because we have so much art at the sculpture garden. We we get people that that have been there six seven times that say, "Did you just add?" That sculpture, I've never seen that before, and it's, it was one of the ones that we've had since the beginning. There's just so much to look at, <laughs> and and my dad is uh, he's always always thinking ahead, always moving forward, and he's brought in new art every year since we've opened. So we get people coming back because they know we're going to have something new and fun, and we get we get families, which is great. We have a a, a bocce ball area, ping pong. Chess, uh, a foosball table, so we get kids out. They can be playing in uh, in the in that play area while their parents taste. We do lots of music on the weekends. We get 
lots of food trucks catering on the weekends too. So I mean, we've uh, we're uh, a destination, and it's a fun time. It's not a pretentious place. You know, we we obviously talk highly about the wines, and we and we know these wines intimately. But we get we get people who have never had wine before, and we get to educate them and have them try all kinds of different wines, different styles. Like you were you were mentioning earlier, how when you were making wine, you're trying to figure out, well, what, what kind of style do you want to do and, and uh, how do you want these wines to taste? I've always tried to emulate, you know, let the grapes do the talking. If the, if, if, if the grape is ripe at this brick, make it that way and it's going to come out in check, in balance. So we have wines that are um, very light-bodied to medium-bodied to those heavy, bold wines like you were mentioning. And then we've got a dessert wine, too. So we I've tried to make the whole spectrum of wine, so people people are definitely going to find something that they like, and and it shows. We've just we've, we've gotten more and more. Uh, we just lots of people come all the time, very busy, and you just seeing that this whole area, all of Paso Robles, has just just grown immensely the last couple of years. It's grown immensely. First time I saw Paso Robles was back in nineteen. 19- 71. I uh, I was stationed at Fort Ord when I got back from Vietnam, and I used to travel all over California and used to love going down to Pastoropolis because there was like seven wineries down there that I loved at the time. And I went back to Pastoropolis, let's see, uh, eight years ago. You know, no, seven years ago, back in uh, uh, 2013. And I was just, I was shocked at how many wineries were there and how much it had grown. It was just uh, uh, shocked. <laughs> I mean, you know, only that I can say it was unbelievable how much Paso Robles yeah, has have, exploded. We have about 300 wineries now here. Whoa! And, uh, the, really, the, the main reason is because of the climate. I mean, you hear the word terroir. You know, which you know, everything is involved in that—the the 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 ground and the and the and the amount of rain and the sunlight and the and all that together. But we have, as I as I said before, we have the circular weather pattern, which gives us cool mornings with some fog, warm days, which helps us make the sugar, uh, you know, and cool evenings. So it's it's really fantastic weather pattern and. It's uh, makes fantastic wine, and so we have a lot of a lot of wineries. Over so the years, people said we're going to be like Napa, and uh, you know, you're waiting and waiting and waiting for it to happen. And we realize we're not like <laughs> Napa; we're like Passerolles. Yeah, we're an entity into, into ourselves. Yeah, and we do we do very well. There's some wonderful wineries here, and uh, people have discovered us. You know, like I said, we're halfway between LA and San Francisco. And we're and we're close to the um, uh, this, the San Joaquin Valley, and so we have people from Bakersfield and Fresno and all of California come here, and and we've been discovered. I mean, we've 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 held our own amongst you know contests in San Francisco against Napa and French wines and all kinds of things. So if, if you've tasted our wines, you know what we have here. It's in their fence, and you're not too far from Hearst Castle, which I'm sure brings in people to you because right. of that too. Yeah, you know, so that's that's a big right. plus it's there. It's interesting you mentioned. It's interesting 
it's interesting you mentioned Fort Ord because I was in the service during Vietnam too, and I was uh, I was a doctor, and I helped set up the confidence course in Fort Ord. Uh, you know, people call it an obstacle course; we called it a confidence course to have people yeah. go through that and to see, you know, how they how they did medically. So I spent some time in Fort Ord as well in '72. Huh. Yeah, I was I was there in. Uh... Well, the 70, uh, I got back from Vietnam in 71. I was there 71, 72, and uh, early 73. Wow. So so we were there we at the same time. We passed each other. Yeah, more than likely, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, the uh, uh, the wines here, let's, let's um, go back to Paul here. I'm, I'm looking at your list of wines. You've got a lot of wines you make. I mean, I, I just... Looking at the yes. the different ones that are that are on your list here, oh my gosh, you! I'm surprised you had enough time to spend an hour talking to me with all the wines that you have here. Uh, yeah, it's all those wines, and when we pick, as you know, we don't pick cab all in one shot. We have four different Cabernet vineyards, but we break that up into different lots. So I'll make over 50 wines every year, and then I'm, wow. I make blends. And bottling and we end up bottling about 18 wines a year sometimes over 20 but you're right it's a lot it's a lot of responsibility but it's a great thing i mean i i get excited every harvest it's it's just like it's a new opportunity to do the same thing and what's also interesting too is the, the more i do it the more i can pick out what the hilltop cap tastes like and what the old well cab in the valley and the cab by the electric gate tastes like you can pick out flavors that are always there in the vineyard and that those flavors are there even in a dry year or a cold year or a year we get frost those 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 particular flavors and it's hard to describe you know or it's hard to even know why the wines come out the way that they do but (laughs) knowing like my dad was saying the uh with the soil the climate the sun, all those things, and the particular blocks create their own unique taste. And the more you make wine from the same block, you really start to learn. And then you learn, hey, if if I blend a little bit of this block that came out a little less ripe and more tannic and earthy with the block from the hilltop, which is jammy and plum-like and shows these other flavors, and then we add Hungarian oak or French oak, American oak. And there's just so many... Um, endless uh, combinations that you can do with this but every year it seems that I learn more I feel more comfortable I have more of a game plan of what we want to do so now I've got it all mapped out all the varieties uh, what I plan on making this year what the blends we're going to end up doing and I don't know if you look too on the website and look at some of the bottles well I know you've uh, had the uh, cab and the VNA but we do uh, a a lot of silkscreen bottles. So those are bottles where the label oh, is they? permanent, painted on, printed on, and it features a different sculpture. Each one of our um, blends features a different art piece from the garden. It's a oh. a simple label, but very effective. And when you see these sculptures, you'll never forget them. And then you see them on the bottle. It's the theme. It brings it all together. Um, and, you can reuse the bottles. It's not a paper label that can get wet and fall off. So just the um, just the 
just the packaging in itself is is a, a piece of art. Recently, I've done a bottle called the uh, Winemaker. Uh, it's my signature bottle, I call it, where it's this bottle that can sit either straight up or on its side, and it's such a challenge that you can't bottle it on a bottling line, on a bottling truck, or with regular equipment. We have to hand fill it, oh. cork it wax it to make it really elegant and that bottle's etched um i only do 100 bottles a year or 200 bottles a year it's sold in the tasting room only and it's a collector's item i do i do fun projects like that and with that particular bottle it's uh it was made in italy it won a contest of uh in a innovative design of the year at a (laughs) a a bottling contest and we were the first ones to use it and it's it's such a challenge that you can see why nobody's used it. So yet, go to the website, go to sculptera.com, um, go to the store, and you'll see all the wines, all the pictures there. And I, I have fun with the labels. It's that's another part of it. You know, you can't you, you've got this amazing wine in the bottle, but if you don't have a label that describes it, and, uh, com- it it's got to have the whole look to it. And, uh, I've designed the labels. Uh, oh, did you? Oh, yeah. A few people helping me here and there, and it's that's that's a big part of it too. That's a lot of fun for me. Yeah, the uh, totally. I, I, you go to the website. You can go to wine and click down on that, and there's uh, a list of the Weiss Reds blends, Hero desserts, and library, and it shows all the different ones there for the people out there who are listening. Uh, that's the best way to do it. You can see it now. Uh, I want to ask about a couple of your different wines. Well, the the, the bottles. That's since we're talking about that. This is the genie shaped bottle that we're talking about here. That uh, well, you're, no, you're probably winemaker signature bottle. It's uh, yes, it's got okay, yeah, etched flame on it. It's yes, got okay. a, a etched design of a flame. Very okay. pretty. I say I say genie bottle from I Dream a Genie. Your dad will probably remember it, but you might be too oh, young. Yeah. <laughs> it does look like a genie lamp. Like it looks like a lamp, exactly. Yeah, it looks like looks like a genie bottle, like you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's a that's a gorgeous bottle there. That's uh, you, uh, and it says here you sold out in 42 days on that. So, I mean, if you all want one of those, you make a trip out to California and wait at the winery until they bottle it and then grab one. Uh, the, uh, uh, let's see. Hero. Uh, is there a significance to that line of wines? Uh, calling it yeah. the hero line? Yes. Yeah. That's a incredible story. Um, like my dad mentioned earlier, I grew up on the property, um, worked outside, worked in the vineyard and worked uh, with these amazing workers. And, you know, um, these are the guys, these are the people that you don't normally see. These are the people in in the vineyard or in the winery, in the background, you know. They're the people doing all the hard work. And I got to work right. hand-in-hand with them for all these years. Um, they, uh, most of them live in Mexico. In fact, I've gone to Mexico with them. And uh, my dad, too, has gone down. They all have homes on the beach, you know, outside of, uh, down in Mazatlan. It's just an incredible area. So yeah. we're their family. We've, we've done a lot of, you know, they've worked with us most of their lives, and uh, we consider each other you know, part of our family. Um, I designed that label to give back to them, honoring them. Uh-huh. 
uh, one of the workers was retiring back in 2011, and to honor him and to do something fun and different, I wanted to use his face on a label. He had a very uh, striking look. If, you, if you're looking at the label, uh, it's just I am, he's man. got that face that you know this man's a hard worker. This man gives it his all. This it's, guy will just do vineyard, whatever it takes. Yeah, it's the vineyard worker is what he is. Yeah, that reminds me of Right, yeah, he's, and he wasn't the – uh, he's not the ranch boss or he's not the man in charge. He was the lowest yeah. guy on the totem pole. Yeah. He's the guy who would go out and dig a trench all day and have a smile right. on his face. And uh, always carries the machete so he can chop down Uza. anything. Yeah, yeah. Right. So <laughs> um, that same year, uh, I talked with the workers, and they had wanted to make a barrel of wine for themselves. And I asked my dad, hey, can I make a, a barrel of wine just for them? And they'll we'll, you know, bottle it. We won't label it. They can take it to Mexico, give it to their friends and family. So we did that, but then I yeah. thought it would be fun to, to, to actually put a label on it. And – um, they suggested, why don't we do a palm tree? Or they had other ideas. I said, no, why don't we do us? Why don't we put one of you guys on the label? And the yeah. back of the label has all the workers um, that help out every year on the back with their names. Ah. So we, uh, we, we did that one barrel, only 25 cases, and we gave all the wine away to them and their families. We had a couple bottles of it at the tasting room, just up on the counter behind our bar. And everyone that saw that bottle wanted to buy it. They said, what is that bottle? Who's that man on the label? And we told the story, that's Uga, one of our workers. He's retired. And to honor him and the rest of the workers, we did the special bottling and we gave them the wine. And the more we thought about it, we said, you know, let's do a alternate wine label and, you know, um, make this as an official one of our wines. So the Arroway label, which uh, like you said, it, uh, we we sell that mostly wholesale, mostly supermarkets, restaurants, wow. uh, lots of wine bars, love it. So that's, uh, that's what we sell uh, mostly outside the tasting room. And our Sculptera label with the etched uh, with the etched bottles and featuring our art and the, and the sculptures, that's what you find at the tasting room. So they're, they're two very different stories. And in fact, the Arroway lineup of wines, that goes um, a medical missionary group that goes down to Baja, California, okay. called the Flying Samaritan. So they go down to Baja, which is just, you know, past San Diego going down into Mexico, and they – they do teeth pulling and they bring it. They they do a lot of work down there. And my dad's been involved with that group as well. Maybe he could he could um, talk a little bit about that too. Um, so the Arroway wines they support the that medical group, and then the Sculptera wines a portion of the proceeds goes to support his healing hands, like my dad was talking about. That's our uh, another medical missionary team that goes all over and, and, and provides medical care in the worst, poorest places that we're allowed to go so that, to. That really needed, yeah. <laughs> you, you pronounce it Arroway. I said it completely wrong. I Arrowway, said Heroes. Yes. Arroway. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's how you say it in Spanish. Yes. Arroway. Arroway okay, in Spanish, yeah. Hero in English. Exactly. Yeah, you oh, have okay. it right. Yeah, right, so I did. Those I, lines, I, I, 
yeah, those wines, again, those, that, those are grapes from our property, and I try not to make those wines too intense, too bold, too over the top. Those are, those are really, you know, easy to drink, a touch sweet, too. So, they're, you know, they, they just, they're fruit-driven, very supple, lovely wines. And we've done well. We started that we, you know, we haven't had those uh, wine label all that long, and it's grown a lot. People, you know, that, the, that label itself, Uga, that man on the front, has such a great look, and yeah, if you see that on the grocery aisle, you're going to pick up the bottle, turn it around, and you can get the story just by looking at the workers that are involved. It's it's a it's it's a unique concept, very different. And you know, you know like I say, we, yeah, we he looks he looks like really they honor our workers. Yeah, we did yeah. really to honor them because. Um, you know, with politics and things, a lot of negative things are said, and, and we don't have that experience. And we wanted to honor our workers and show our appreciation to, to them because without them, uh, we couldn't do the work. We couldn't produce the product. So we, we did it really to honor them. Now, I have a question for either one of you. What's going to happen? Is this COVID going to affect your harvest this year? Are you going to get the workers up? What's going on with that? Yeah, I talked to our workers and people that we bring out, and it doesn't seem like it's going to affect us. We have people people want to work, and um, there's a lot of work to be had for sure. So, oh yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Plus, what we've done is is uh, we've sold uh, this year more on the internet uh, through our website, Sculptera.com, than we have before. So people know if they haven't been able to. To come out because they're, or they're afraid to come out. We've we've had some sales and we've done uh, a lot of things through the internet, which actually brings up the point: if people hearing your show uh, want to go to our website, we put a promo code uh, all about wine, and they can hit that and get twenty percent off wine. So we put that well, up there because we knew we were going to do this show. Yeah, all, they, all they have to do is put in all about wine. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and these wines are worth it, people. If you're listening. You know, anytime, order them. These are great. I've, uh, I'm having a grenade tonight, and it is really uh, something that you will find exciting. And get away from your Chardonnays and get away from your uh, standard whites and, you know, order this. It's worth the effort and the taste on that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you've enjoyed it. Oh, I do. I do very much. Uh, another question, who decided on screw cap? And not that I'm, you know, it's just a, an alternative closing. I don't see anything wrong with it. But who decided on screw cap as opposed to cork? Yeah, it's it changed a lot the last couple of years. It's more accepted, that's for sure. And as yes. a winemaker, I love screw caps, especially, you know, most of the wines people buy are drinks. If it's not that night or that week or that month, they'll definitely be drank within six months up to a year most people most people say they age wines but typically the average person does does not age wines for five plus years it's it's hard to age wines that long you you have to have a cellar temperature controlled you don't want light so most people drink wine after purchasing it and yeah, but- um, screw caps really capture 
the it doesn't allow oxidation and and um, the wine does age after it's 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 closed with a screw cap, but it it definitely retains more of its fruitiness, useful vibe and taste when you use a screw cap. So that the more I use screw caps, the more I enjoy having screw caps. You don't have to have a corkscrew and hang it on. In fact, I uh, 2013. I bottled Grenache, and I did a pallet with cork and a pallet with screw cap. And then three years later, I did a blind tasting with a couple people at the tasting room, a couple members of our team, and they all liked this bottle better. You know, they didn't know which one was cork, which one, which one was screw cap, because it definitely retains more of its youthful taste, more of that fresh feel to it. The cork wine, you know, it was oxidation and micro oxidation happening through the cork it does gain that that complexity that you that you don't get with the screw cap but i'm a big screw cap fan i'm i love it i i don't think i'd ever do it on all the wines but i would do it on now we're doing it on about half of our wines yeah that's you know they're saying i a statistic i used to quote at the wine and i read a couple years ago 95% 95% of all wines purchased is consumed within the first 30 days. So, yep. <laughs> you know, I, mean, I I used to tell people, you can stick an old dirty rag in there. People are going to drink it within 30 days. It's not going to make a difference. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with the screw cap. Uh, I think it's it, it's an improvement for the wine and for the consumer. It's, it's a, a benefit for both. But no. something like the Syrah or one of our Cabernet blends, uh, something that can age 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, then it's, it, it is nice to have that in cork. Um, but it's and definitely I, become more acceptable, you know, even three or four years ago, you know, there's more people um, not so interested in, in having screw cap bottles. And now it seems that everybody is, would would rather purchase screw cap bottles because just the, the um, ease of it, for sure. Yes, it, and, and you know, I, I read something too, and I don't know if you've seen the reports, but I read something that if wine ages in a screw cap over a period of time, I'm taking 18 months or longer, it starts increasing the SO2 levels. Now, I they've done some tests on it in different places, and they're finding it does raise the SO2 levels a little bit. But again, most people drink their wine. But I don't know if you've seen that report, but I'll throw it out to you, and maybe it's something you can look into. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe if it's if it's uh, creating more SO2, or if it, or if it's holding the SO2 that's in the wine, that could be more. That could be helping the wine as a preservative. So then as a preservative, it's not going to yeah. get any. Yeah, it's not going to it's not going to get anything strange happening to it later. So that could be another reason why we tend to like wines like that. Yeah. So yeah. no, I just know, but you know, the, the screw cap is. In, I have nothing against screw cap. Any closure, as far as I'm concerned, work because people are going to drink the wine. It's not going to make a big difference, you know, what type of closure they're going to go home, and within 30 days that wine's going to be done. So. Uh, right, but it's it, nice how we've offered it because, like I said, we've got about half of everything that we make is bottled in screw cap, half is bottled in cork. For those people that do collect wines, age wines, put them in a cellar, or maybe they want to have, uh, they'll buy a case of our wine and every 18 months they open the bottle and they make notes and they, they're, they're very, we, we, we do have that clientele as well. So it's nice to do, it's nice to do both. 
both options. Right yes, now. yeah, it is. Yeah, I noticed on and I'm, while I'm still talking about wines here, your Primitivo Port only dessert wine you make. Uh, is there yeah. a reason why you're not making any any other dessert wines? And I bet that port is fantastic. I used to make a strawberry port, which sold like crazy. But uh, yeah. this sounds yeah, people this love for it. You know, people, yeah, it's. Uh, I think we kind of stumbled upon it. We we knew that our Primitivo grapes could get super ripe while maintaining their acid, and they don't get rot. They can hang out longer on the vine. We can wait and pick them at the end of the season. It just seemed like a great candidate. Every year that we made regular regular Primitivo, it just made sense. You know, this, this these grapes can get riper. We love them on them. And port, I'm a big port fan. I, you know, I, I've, I've tried. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Lots of sherries. I've tried all. I've tried all those different wines, all those sweet wines or late harvest wines. But port is nice because, or port's nice because it's not super sweet. It's about nine percent residual sugar, twenty percent alcohol. So most people that try it, it doesn't come across as a syrupy wine. Or over the top sweet. It doesn't have it doesn't have that to it. Um, but like I said, it's just it's it's also it's the highest elevated peak on our property, so we get lots of wind up there. We can hang the grapes longer. Like I said, it it doesn't get mildew or disease pressure because it is high elevated. There's good airflow in the canopy, and we just let those grapes hang. We We've isolated a couple rows, and we use those same rows every year to make Primitivo port. And I use um, um, uh, um, 180 proof, high proof alcohol. I'm not, I'm not wow. using uh, a, uh, a typical brandy when we when we go to fortify it. I'm using high proof, which is nice because you don't add a lot of it. You add some of it, which brings up the alcohol, brings down the sugar at the same time and it doesn't overwhelm the wine you, know, you, you don't get a taste of this uh high proof product you're, you really get the taste of the vineyard of the grapes and ours is a uh a, um a non-vintage primitivo port so i make a, a new batch every year we've been making it since 2008 and i blend back i've got Do you blend? a Solaris okay, system going so I can, I've got some ports that's from 2017 aging in barrel on its own, 2018, 2019, and at any time I can blend that with the older blend, also aging in barrel, and it's just amazing that's, that way and that is, very complex, great. very soft. It can age indefinitely. You know, port being at the higher alcohol that it that it is. That's right. an age of yeah. wine for sure. And that's also a nice package too, which we use uh, a bar top cork, which is a cork with a plastic yeah. top that you can take on and off and have half a glass a night. And you could have that bottle open at least a week and it's not going to change much. So that's, uh, you don't have to feel intimidated. I'm going to open this bottle of port and I got to finish it right now. It's probably it last longer <laughs> alcohol on there and everything too that's what i used to use on my port was a bar top so yeah it's it's really much more convenient to use that bar top on the port one more question about wines your sparkling wine a hundred percent french columbard yes we don't grow those grapes but it's grown uh 
up on the coast, on the northern coast of California. And, yeah, those are old, old vines. Uh, French Columbar, they've been making sparkling wine from those grapes since 1970s. And it's just, wow. it's they've got the climate for it. They've got the soil. They get lots, lots of fog in that, in that particular site. And that's picked lower bricks, obviously, good acidity. In fact, they've already picked a lot of sparkling grapes in our county, a lot of Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, um, you know, that usually comes in at 18 bricks. So we're, we're already over that right now. So if you haven't yeah. had sparkling wine, by, by, by this point, you've already missed the boat. But yeah, missed we've, been, the boat. We've, been doing, we've been doing sparkling the last couple of years, and that's been a huge hit. People, uh, initially, we wanted to do it because we do weddings at our facility and lots of special private events and things of that nature, and people ask for sparkling. Well, now we have sparkling. We have it all year round. We offer it <laughs> on the menu, and uh, it's a big hit. It's a big seller. And, again, you know, with the variety of people that come to our tasting room, we get wine experts. We get people that uh, are crazy about wine. We get people that it's their first time. So having a sparkling, having something to introduce wine, and then we get into these other more intense wines. So it's yeah, nice to have that, that whole – Spectrum of wines. Yeah, I, I can totally. imagine it would be. And people always ask when I have the wine, do you make a sparkling wine? And I go, no, it's too much of a pain. I'm not going to do one. So I never made one. It's but a big deal. It definitely it, is. It's a little bit tougher than just making a wine, without question. Um, Warren, what what is the looking to the future, are you going to do more and more sculptures? Are you done with sculptures and just stay with smaller stuff? What What is you looking at on that? Well, you know, I, I love art. And I think, like I said, wine lovers love art and art lovers love wine. And so, you know, when I, I, I look for things all the time. I have people coming to me all the time who who uh, who are artists who want to display their art? We do a lot of we we put art out on consignment as well, oh. where um, people will, will bring their art, and so uh, we'll sell it to them, and we take a percentage of it. So these things are always changing. We always have things that are new. <clears throat> there's always artists that want to sell their art, and there's always people that want to buy art. You know, it's it's so so. No, I'm involved in the art. I I I love to see something new. I I like to learn, and I like to see things myself and enjoy it myself sometimes we sell some of our pieces and i'm sorry i'm sorry to sell them <laughs> because <laughs> i don't get to look at them but but you know it is a business and you and you do have to make a living and you do have to live yeah. so no we do a lot of things on we do a lot of things on consignment so we always have new art and as i said we oh. sell small sculptures they call them maquettes which uh you know we have the big sculptures in the sculpture garden and then we have uh, little sculptures of the same sculptures inside that we sell, and so oh. people love that because it, they remember come. They, you know, they remember going to Sculptera in the central coast of California, right. and they have something for for to take home with them. Of course, they they're they're kind of pricey, but but people people who want to do it do it, and and so things are always changing. And I I love the art, and you know I leave the winemaking obviously uh, to to Paul, who who is uh, you know for a young winemaker, he's really 
learned a lot and and grown into it and done it. He has the, he has the book knowledge and then the on you know the, the hands on knowledge, which is a great combination. And you know we really have fun together. I mean I'm 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 a blessed person because uh, as being a doctor, I have my daughter who's also a doctor whose office is next to me, and then I have Paul who runs the winery. So I, I'm involved with my children in business, and so they can't get away from me, and it's a pleasure. Yeah, you, you said uh, your office. Do you have an office in Pasaropos in town, or I have a yes. I have. I still. I'm in practice. I'm in a full oh, practice. I have a. I have an oh. office. I have an office in Templeton, which is next door to Pasaropos. Right. Okay. Oh, so so you still practice, and then obviously I, you're on the plane going all sorts of places all the time to help different areas. So that's great too. Yeah. I, I enjoy I enjoy do that. You know, it's I always tell people say to I practice, and I always tell them I'm going to practice till I get it right. And so I've always, <laughs> I've always wanted to be a doctor. I've been a doctor for a long time, and uh, I really enjoy it. And and I enjoy going to these other places. And as Paul said, some of the proceeds of the wine that we sell uh, fund some of these ventures that we're involved in, his healing hands, and also the Flying Samaritans. So we feel good about what we do. We enjoy what we do. And you know it's California, and the, and the weather's great, and and people come here. We meet people, and and we're enjoying ourselves a lot. We've been blessed. Uh, is I, I know you guys are open. Well, like you said at the beginning, with the smoke and everything, it's putting a a little crimp on everything. But how is Paso Robles overall for wineries? I mean, are they open? Are most of them open? Or oh yeah, they, they're open. They are. No, with it. No, we're we're open. Uh, people are pouring wine, you know, outside, and um, and um, uh, we have certain r- rules that we got to follow because of this COVID nineteen. But we really, in this county, have not had uh, really a lot of cases. We we have had a very low uh, incidence of the disease, very very low mortality rate. We we really haven't had a problem like some areas have. We've really. Uh, been spared it and and it's going down and I think this will all uh, as as all viruses it'll be it'll be gone in a couple of months and uh, hopefully and I think that's the case and so people should come I mean we're as I said we're we're something for people to come from L.A. San Francisco we're off the Highway 101 which is the path of progress as you mentioned there's Hearst Castle which is probably the finest castle in the in the United States there's nothing like oh, that you know in Europe they have castles <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's an amazing place to go, and we have the yeah. ocean, and we have the weather, and we it's it's a nice place to go. It's a nice place to visit. It's a nice place to travel through. So, um, you know, people should come here, and and uh, we enjoy having them, and and it, it's great. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, Mike, any questions for uh, Warren or Paul here? Uh, no, I was I was actually going to ask about the port, but you beat me to it. So <laughs> I, like, I remember a really good port, and I wanted to know more information about it. And you you definitely covered that. But uh, wow, what a great story, and and just a just a great uh, great uh, evening, definitely for uh, spending it with us. We really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've had a good time doing it too. We we really uh, enjoy people. We enjoy making the wine. Uh, we enjoy people enjoying the the product that we make, and it's fun. And, and it's been fun talking to you. You guys are pretty knowledgeable guys, so it's really yeah. nice. 
It, it, it's been very enjoyable. Before you leave us, though, I would like you to give us all contact information for Sculptura Winery. Give us your email address, your website, your Twitter, Facebook, uh, phone number so people can contact you and order everything that you can pass on out there for them. Yeah, you'll find most of that on the website at Sculptera.com. And again, it's spelled S-C-U-L-P-T-E-R-R-A. And if you go to contact, that'll give you our telephone number. We have a 888 number, uh, a toll-free number to call out here to California. Um, uh, We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have all that. Just go to Facebook and search um, search for Sculptera and, and you'll find it right away. Um, I make videos. I've done videos on the winemaking process, on the grape growing process, how to, how to prune a vine, how to plant a vine. I've done interesting things like that. You can, you can find links to that on our Facebook. Um, but again, yeah, if you can start at the website and then go to find out more, learn more, contact us, you'll see all that there. Um, yeah, it's not. Um, we do we do a lot of things on Facebook. We do certain specials that are only available there. Like I said, we've done videos. I've done um, Zoom calls, live live wine tastings with people. That's always a, a, a cool and neat experience. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to just to, to describe to you what our place looks like. You see a picture of a six-ton cat. Well, you. you you're not standing in front of it, looking up and seeing it. So, you know, we oh. encourage everyone to, to, if they're in California or if they're close, to just come out, make the drive, come out to see us. It's an, it's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, it's something totally unique. What my dad created, what he thought of doing it. It's such a unique destination. I mean, we went from being an unknown to being number, number two on TripAdvisor, number, oh, number. Wow two or three on Yelp of the whole area of all the Paso Robles. And we're just uh, a small family of winery, but the art is just such a unique attraction that you really have to see it. So I encourage all of you to go to the website. We have awesome pictures. And if anyone is in Paso, in California, make a trip up here. It is a great If they want to call, if they want to call us, the number is area code 805 Two two six eight 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 one area code eight zero five two two six eight 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 one and again it's Sculptera like sculpture S C U L P T E R R A Sculptera dot com a great website I you know looked through it uh, well a few times here tonight I've been clicking on some things and I've looked to it before this you know when we first. Uh, talked about booking you and what a great website it's got a lot of stuff on it and mm-hmm. what a phenomenal site you have there you have some great pictures of it and all yeah. that so it's yeah it's if really you're in, and you know ron if you're if you're in if you're in california we'd love to see you i we will can ship I, one no, too. I, we we can't ship to uh, every state in america but we can ship to most we we can ship to florida so we can make know. that happen yeah. um you know that's which is a that's a great thing too. So yes, please. Yeah. You can always just go on the online store. We have, if you join our, our club, join the wine club, we offer 
additional specials, additional discounts, half off at certain times of the year. People wow. always take advantage of that. So yeah, I can see. And don't yeah. forget too, they, they <laughs> gave us a they gave us a special all about wine. So if uh, anyone out there wants to order anything, use the promo code all about wine and you'll get a twenty percent discount, which is <laughs> really check great. Out. Exactly. Yeah, when you when you check out, so that's that's a great promo there. Thanks, uh, we appreciate that okay. too. Thank you all very very yeah, much right. for taking your time to be with us tonight. It was fantastic, very knowledgeable, and it, it just really had a good time. So, thank you very much again. And, and when I'm in California, well. you will be a visit. Okay. Well, Definitely. I hope so. Very good. You have a, you have a great rest of the day. Thank you, you thank also. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on here. Bye. Bye now. Thank you. All right. <laughs> what a great talk. I mean, that was fun. I, I must have missed the part about 20% off. When was that discussed? I, I was he like, was what? talking about, you might have been doing some of your things, because I know you keep busy on there, but he, uh, uh, Dr. Warren said that, uh, they put up a special when they found out they were going to be on the program that anyone who orders it, when you go to check out any wine you order, you go to check out, put in the promo code all about wine and they'll give you a 20% discount. Dang. Yeah, I know. I know. What a deal. Yeah. That is a good deal. So, uh, yeah, hmm. he, he mentioned that in the show. So anybody out there and I, I guess they'll leave that up there for a while. I don't think they're going to be taking it down. So, you don't have, but uh, yeah, that's wow. that's a good deal. Twenty percent. That's that's a good deal. And their wines are reasonably priced. They're twenty, twenty-two, mm-hmm. twenty-five. You know, stuff like that. And they're so they're reasonably priced. They're not they're not outrageous mm-hmm. in the cost, and they're good. They're they're fruity and they're not heavy, not real acidic. They're just really some nice fruity, enjoyable wines. So, yeah, uh, all of you out there, just you know. <laughs> You mentioned the port, and I was looking at the port, and I'm, I'm eyeing that one. That uh, <laughs> that looks like, good. Hmm. That, that really does. Yeah. That looks good. yeah. And yeah, and they made it. Uh, he he. It, it seems like Paul kept everything fruity. I mean, he's he's not making stuff that's real heavy, except maybe the cabs and stuff like that. He makes a little bit stronger that will age, but it looks like he tries to keep stuff fruity and and. You know, just enjoyable now. Drink them type wines, and so it looks looks good. It really does. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, good interview. Good time. Yeah. Yeah. That was really good. Um, yeah. Well, I guess uh, we also have a guest. Uh, let me go back to my other Next week. nine nine windows here. Um, I know it's on here somewhere, and I know you told me it. <laughs> it's on yeah, Blog Talk Radio. I know. That's yeah, let me see if I can't um, find it here too. I know we've got one next week. Uh, next week's the twenty seventh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we have uh, Katie Wilson, winemaker and entrepreneur, uh, who's going to be on next week. Let me expand this and see what else I've got. Uh, Katie Wilson, uh, owner and winemaker yep, of Wine Wines. Yep. 
expensive. And so she pull that has worked Annabelle Wines and Reeve Wines and Smith Story Wine Cellars. As one of the 4% of female winemakers in California, also owns winery of their own. She's out of Sonoma, uh, LaRue Wines. So she will be on next week and, uh, and be our 27th. guest. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Katie Wilson, K A T Y, Katie. Uh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> anyway, oh. I'm typing, typing music or something. Click, click, click. There you go. <laughs> so she's our guest That'll next be, week. Uh, August 27th, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Blog Talk Radio, Facebook, and Twitch TV. And we will uh, be back then. And uh, join yeah. us and hope we'll be back then. Look forward to another great interview next week. Yeah, hope we'll be back then, as long as we don't get a hurricane going through and disconnect us here. Yeah, we'll see how it, how yeah. it goes in the week. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's the plan. So. <laughs> We will. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Let's yeah. see. I'm trying to find the Rue Winery in my in my goal. Okay, La Rue, La Rue. I don't have it. Sonoma, why is, why Sonoma is Coast, California. LaRueWines.com. And I, I have my. Hmm my Bible book here and lists all the wineries in the United oh. States and the Rue's not here. Sebastopol, Paul, California. Sebastopol, yeah. Huh. It's not here. Well, that's yeah. strange. Oh, well, I'll have to look it up. And, yeah. See. Should be here. That's amazing. All these little pictures and everything is just incredible. Oh, no, um, I know. Uh-huh. Did you see? Did you well, pull up the website for uh, Scriptura? Yeah. Oh, gosh. oh yeah, I did. Oh yeah. my gosh, that gorgeous, gorgeous place. Yeah, and if he bought that I back in the in the seventies, mm-hmm. he probably got it for a great price too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now yes, you could. Now you can you can touch it, you know. Oh, she lists a bunch of vineyards and everything. Oh, well, that'll be fun next week. Larue Wines and Katie. So, so again, thank you, Doctor Warren and Paul, uh, for your uh, visit tonight, and it was great. I really had a good time and and learned quite a bit. Great story of how he got started there too. And uh, mm-hmm. it was funny that we were both at Fort Ord at the same time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was really odd. Yeah. So, all right. Yeah. We'll see you all so. next week. Thanks again for tuning in and follow us on Facebook. We picked up a new, I think at least one or two during the show. So uh, thank you very much oh, for that. Good. And uh, yeah, yeah. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, we'll see you all uh, next Thursday. Thanks again. Be safe out there. Thank you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. 
For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <And> <laughs> uh, all right, we close that down. That's good. Oh, we're